Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host, and we're talking this week about the essence of Christianity, the new life that we've been given, and the opportunity we have, each one of us, no matter who we are, no matter how much opportunity life has given to us, no matter what family we've come from, no matter how much money we have or how much, how big a, you know, a footprint we have in the world and in society and how well known we are, what kind of fame, power, money, all that stuff that the world recognizes. I don't know, the great secret even in the church in some ways is the real gold on the earth is what Jesus Christ has brought to us. And that is the capacity to live in deep union with the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit and to become saints. I mean, it doesn't, for a lot of guys in particular, it doesn't like, okay, yeah, man, that's good, you know, but it's not something that grabs people by the heart. I want to do something concrete. I want to go make something, build something, you know, and that's good stuff. But it's meant to be a both and, not an either or. And if we could have the eyes to see what we've been given and the the hope and the confidence of knowing what we can become in this life and what's most valuable and most lasting, what will be fruit that will last forever? And it's really worth thinking about. And you don't get there without thinking about it. You know, you don't get there without taking seriously what Jesus is saying to us and then what's being modeled for us by the saints and recognizing really what it takes to put Christ at the center, to have a, a passion for Jesus, not just like a respectful awareness of who he is and kind of what he's done, but he's sort of a mystery to me. He's distant and I'm most, mostly preoccupied by other things. You know, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his way of holiness. That is his way of living, his way of holiness and everything else will be added unto you. And so we've been looking at today then is or this week. If you haven't, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to tune into the program this week, I encourage you to go to our website at renewalministries.net or you can, you know, all the programs are there archived. You can watch them there or download them or download the uh, Renewal Ministries app, Ave Maria app. There's such good programming that you can have access to whenever you want it. I mean, my shows are on pretty early in the morning. So a lot of people, the early birds get them, but a lot of people, probably don't and so pass the word if this stuff is a blessing to you if you feel built up strengthened by it it probably means your friends might too and so join us and pass it around and help us get the word out so one of the things i thought would be helpful to do is to as we talked about the essence of the church being the new life of god that comes to us in jesus and all that jesus has done in his life passion death and resurrection to make it possible for us and his ascension into glory for human beings to have a real future of the future, which is the new creation, the eternal destiny that we're headed for. And therefore, it defines my life in this world. And I can begin to draw on that power. And it's a, it's a, a genuine hope, but it's a hope that doesn't disappoint us. Scripture says, why do I know that? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through Jesus Christ. And that love, the Holy Spirit, is also the glory of God. God's glory, God's life, God's majesty, his beauty, his new, his newness, his eternal newness is comes to us in the spirit. So I wanted to just look at some terms that St. Paul uses and St. Paul's way of describing this amazing, amazing fact, you know, 
And uh, I talked yesterday about a term called the eschaton. You know, it's the last age of history between the two comings of the Lord where uh, Father Joseph Fitzmaier, a uh, tremendous biblical scholar who went home to the Lord a number of years ago, and he described the eschaton this way. It's really the age of the Messiah. Who's the Messiah? The Messiah is Christ, Jesus. Messiah means Christ. Same same term, Hebrew word for Christ, which means anointed. He's the one anointed with the Spirit. He said this age, this eschaton, this period of time in history, the Catechism calls it the last hour of the church, and um, quoting St. John the Apostle, this age has initiated as a status of union with God previously unknown. What's being offered in this last age is union with God that no one in history ever had access to. That Jesus has opened up. The possibility of being born again, being brought into the family of God and becoming a temple, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And it's one that's destined for a final union with him in glory. That's what it means by the eschaton. In Romans 8, chapter 24, 25, you can see the passage there. So that's one term that Paul used. That's the Greek, that's the Greek word for it, for it. So, and then another phrase that's used quite a bit by St. Paul is son of God, right? Jesus is this, is son of God. Now today, in the kind of blurred, pluralistic, syncretistic approach that's in the world, that all churches, all religions are a pathway. Whatever your personal bliss is, follow that. That's a pathway. And it's all meaning, guess what? We're all sons of God. We're all daughters of God. It's all already there. So there's nothing particularly unique that is being expressed in Jesus as son of God. He's just a a particularly high you know, expression or example of someone who is in tune with being son of God because we're all son of God. There's a lot of that out there today, and it's creeping into the church, and there's voices in the church who are promoting it. And it's, it essentially empties Jesus of his absolute significance and his uniqueness. It's not true in a technical sense, in a biblical sense, to say that everybody is a son of God or a daughter of God. It's not true. Everyone is infinitely loved by God. God is love. Everyone who bears the image of God, God has sent his son to save them loves them, wants to forgive their sins, and wants to bring them into the family of God and baptize them into Christ to become a new creation so you can become a child of God. So John, in the Gospel, says very clearly that first chapter, he gave us power to become children of God. That's a Jewish man saying that. He was already, he's Jewish. He's part of the chosen people, right? But there's something very distinct that's meant by this, being sons and daughters of God. Jesus is the firstborn son. Through his passion, death, and resurrection, and new life, we participate in his sonship. We come in by the grace that flows through him to bring us into the family of God. That's how we become children of God. And it's, it's, it's important to have clarity about that because it's so easy to be presumptive and just say, oh yeah, everybody's already that. Everybody's already there. What's the big deal? Just let everybody follow their own bliss and be nice and everything's going to work out. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus died for. That's human laziness and presumption and sinfulness and foolishness. It's not true. It's important for us to see it as it is. Otherwise, it won't grip the heart and it won't renew the mind. So son of God, he was, he was raised son of God in power, right? So he said, Adam was, 
Adam was the firstborn son at that time, right? But he fell, Adam fell, and he came under the dominion of sin and death, and he was alienated from God. Jesus is the second Adam, who comes as son of God, and he brings about, he's a, he's a life-giving spirit as well. That means the giver of the Holy Spirit that makes us children of God. Another word that's very common Greek is Christos, which means Christ. Most of you know, know the meaning of that, right? The, the, the word Messiah and anointed. He's the anointed one. Again, here's, here's Fitzmaier. He said, the title denoted an anointed agent of Yahweh, of God the Father, awaited by the people for their deliverance. So the Jewish people are continuing to wait for the Messiah, the Messiah's return. Not every Jewish person, there are some Jewish people in the world who are completely secular and they don't believe in God. They don't believe their own story. There's many, many people who do in the Jewish world believe the, the Torah and the teaching and different dimensions of it and are committed to it at different levels. And they await, to one degree or another, in terms of intensity and clarity, the coming of the Messiah. And there are some Jews, like my wife and others, who are believers in Jesus as the Messiah. He's already come, and he's come to bring the new life of the kingdom and fulfill all the promises of Israel. Fitzmaier points out that this term is probably the, the most significant term and the most used term by uh, Paul in describing Jesus. He said there's over 350 times in his letters he talks about it. It's almost become like second nature, almost like, like Jesus' second name, like his last name or something people think about. But the point is that Christos meant what Christians had come to understand about the former Jewish title, Messiah, but corrected by Paul's earlier messianic belief. You know, that Paul understood the Jewish perspective of it. And as he came into the faith, he articulated beautifully and in fullness what it means that Jesus is Christos, that Jesus is the Messiah, come to save and rescue us and to give us a share in what belongs to him, what he possesses in superabundance, supernaturally and as God, and that is the very life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. We don't just need a new set of tablets. We don't need new dogmas. What we need is new life. And the dogmas and the rest of it expresses it. And the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the commandments and the teaching of Torah and all that God had spoken to the people of Israel. And uh, another word is Kyrios, which means Lord, right? It's the second most used term by Paul in all of his writings. Kyrios was also a sovereign title of the Roman emperor. Paul inherited the title from the Palestinian Jewish Christian community in Jerusalem, where Hebrews and Hellenists, that's both Jews and Greeks who were coming to faith, had already fashioned the creedal formula, Jesus is Lord. You can see it in Philippians chapter 2, right? And other places, Jesus is Lord. This is the central cry of the Christian people. This is the declaration, the proclamation, the very centerpiece of our faith. Again, it's not the centerpiece of our faith is not be good, be nice, be moral. The centerpiece of it is God has come in the person of Jesus Christ in the simplest form. Jesus Christ is Lord and all that that means that he's Lord, all power in heaven and on earth. So uh, what Paul means by Kyrios, it refers to the risen status of Jesus. He's the one who passed from death to life. He's the one who took human flesh into a new existence that is an existence beyond death. He's the one in whom the new creation has begun. 
and hope for the new humanity is in him. He's the exalted Christ. As the exalted Christ, he's worthy of the same adoration as Yahweh. It's God the Father, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's He's God incarnate. He's not just a high, elevated man. He is God himself. Originally, it was originally used in reference to the parasitic, per, perusia, the per, you know, the returning of the Lord Christ and his coming again in particular. Sorry, I got that word. It's hard for me to pronounce it, but. And Jesus is something more obviously than a human, right? So it expresses Jesus' dominion over human beings precisely because of his glorious risen condition. It affects lives even in the present world. He is Lord of the living and of the dead, and he is Kyrios of the cosmos. He's Lord of the cosmos. Did you see how a magnificent Jesus is? I mean, friends, when we lay hold of these truths and they come alive by the help of the Holy Spirit, it just animates the soul and renews the mind. And it just makes Christianity so much more meaningful and dynamic and that awareness is like, yeah, him, yes, how can I please him? What does he desire? He wants, like, for example, he wants you to keep holy the, the Lord's day. Okay, man, I'm going. I'm never missing. You know, unless I'm sick, I am going. This pleases the Lord and I want more of him. I want to feed at his table. I want to take in what he's accomplished for us. I want to hear his word. I want to be with his people. That's what happens when your soul, your heart, your spirit is alive in Christ with a vivid awareness of who he is. We'll continue with some of these reflections from St. Paul tomorrow. Hope you can join us, spread the word, and support us in every way you can. God bless you. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth. Would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus, a fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.